Today's show is an encore presentation. This year, the first Muslim ever to be elected to Congress took the oath of office upon the Koran. What would Islamic terrorists expect of a fellow Muslim in Congress? And what does every American need to know about the Koran? We'll ask historian Bill Federer. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Well, what do you think of that prayer? What do you think of that chant? Is Islam a religion of peace? How do you compare the Christian crusades with Islamic Jihad? How does Jesus contrast with Muhammad? How does the Bible contrast with the Quran? Today we're going to talk about what you need to know about Islam and what every Christian needs to know about the Quran. And we're going to ask, is Sharia law, Islamic Sharia law, compatible with democracy? Is the Muslim God, Allah, the same as the Christian God, Jehovah? This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're going to be talking to a best-selling author in just a moment. You know, Penna, this actually has some political overtones, doesn't it? Well, there's something in the news that I think goes right along with this, Dr. Johnson, and that is that Senator John McCain, of course, he's running for president, said in an interview over the weekend that he would prefer a Christian president. He also said America is a Christian nation founded on Christian principles. Later, he backtracked a little because he was criticized by some Jews and also some Islamic groups. But there is some wisdom in what he said, and uh, we are going to talk about that with our guests today. We're going to find out what Islam really is, how does it affect a nation, how does it affect our policies, and a lot more. All right, our guest today is William Federer. He's written the book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran. William Federer is president of Amerisearch. He's written several other best-selling books. Welcome back to the program, Bill. Dr. Johnson, Penna, great to be with you. All right, Bill, let's just start off here um, and ask this question about Islam. Is Islam fundamentally a religion of peace, or is it a religion uh, that, by its very nature, promotes violence? 
Well, the two things we have to look at is the Quran and the example that Muhammad left. And in the Quran, Surah 517, and the word Surah means verse, Surah 517 says, Infidels are those who declare God is the Christ, the Son of Mary. Surah 573 says, Infidels are those who say God is one of three in a trinity. Surah 101 says, The infidels are your sworn enemies. Surah 9, 123 says, Make war on the infidels who dwell around you. <laughs> Surah 47, 4 says, When you meet the infidel on the battlefield, strike off their heads. He's making or, a case here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here's an interesting one. Surah 2, 191 says, Kill the disbeliever wherever you find them. And then if you are not sure what that means, Surah 533 says, uh, Now, if a Muslim invites a non-Muslim to Islam, and the non-Muslim says no thank you and tries to defend their non-Muslim way of life, that's called fighting Allah. And Surah 533 says the only reward for those who fight Allah will be they will be killed or crucified or have their hands and feet on alternate sides cut off. And I thought, am I being Islamophobic? Am I like taking these verses out of context? And I thought, well, you know, the only way to know for sure is to see the track record. How have Muslims over the past 1,400 years interpreted these verses. And so that's All right, what we Bill. together in this book. So this book, What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Koran, you document these verses. So that's one way of answering this question. Is Islam a religion of peace or by its nature is violent? I think you've shown the quotes from this book um, from the Koran indicate that it teaches violence against the infidel, which would be the Christian or in, uh, the Jew, uh, either one. Now, let me ask you this question. You've, you've already opened the door in terms of history. What is uh, the track record for Muhammad, uh, the track record for Islam? Well, Muhammad fought in 26 battles and 86 raids, and he died in 632 A.D. Within 100 years of his death, his caliphs, and the caliph is the supreme military and religious leader who followed after Muhammad. People don't realize that Jesus was a religious leader, Muhammad was a religious leader, and a military leader. Uh, Jesus never killed anybody. Muhammad killed over 3,000 people. Uh, he cut off the heads of 700 Jews in Medina. Uh, Jesus never owned slaves. Muhammad had lots of slaves, including African slaves, because he was Arab. Jesus never married. Mohammed had 15 wives, plus the women he took in battle. Now, when you point this out to a Muslim, they don't deny it. They just simply say that David killed people, David had lots of wives, and David owned slaves, and he was a prophet. And my response is, yes, but Jesus didn't. <laughs> and Christians go back to Christ, that's and right. that's why we're Christians. And Jesus never forced anybody to believe in him. There was one verse where the apostle said, this is a tough saying, who can bear it? And it says, many disciples walk with Jesus no more. And Jesus basically said, you guys want to go too? There's the door. And Peter said, well, Lord, who else can we go to? You're the only one with the words of eternal life. Jesus never forced anybody, but Muhammad said, whoever changes his Islamic religion, kill him. And the apostles never led armies. Every one of the caliphs led armies. The first 300 years of Christianity, there were 10 major persecutions, and Christians were thrown to the lions. They never once led an armed resistance. The first 300 years of Islam, the caliphs conquered all of Arabia, all of North, North Africa. People forget there used to be 250 Catholic dioceses along North Africa in the 7th century, and they were all conquered. Uh, the Muslims conquered all of Persia. They conquered all of the Holy Land. People forget the Holy Land used to be Byzantine Christian and Jewish. And then the Muslims conquered all of Spain. 
uh, you read the stories of these battles, it's almost ridiculous. The Bill, Muslim let me jump in a minute, because what you've done, and you do it even to a greater degree in this book, is you've said, okay, here's a doctrine that's laid out in the Quran and in the writings that came from Muhammad. Of course, I guess he couldn't read or write himself, but it came from him. And so then you lay out this history of what Muslims actually have done throughout history, which coincides so well with uh, these doctrines, and they're not anything that we want to trust uh, for the leadership of our country or uh, that we need to really be aware that we need to, that this is our enemy and that uh, our enemy has a doctrine that wants to destroy us. And, and military was always a part of it. Matter of fact, the stirrup was a brand new military invention. You mean like uh, the stirrup that you ride a horse with? Right, right. The Romans and Greeks did not have that. The stirrup developed from the Mongolian nomads who would ride these little short horses and tie ropes around them and leave two loops hanging for their big toes because they would ride barefoot. Well, that invention made its way to China by the 5th century A.D. and then to Persia by the 6th century. And the Persians put wooden blocks uh, on the stirrup so that now you could actually stand in the saddle. And so this is what the Muslims got. And so they developed these curved swords called scimitars. You've seen pictures Mm -hmm. of them. And this allowed them to ride into battle and literally slice people in half while riding at a full gallop. And again, you see these, read the stories of how in 10 years these 80,000 Umayyad Muslims conquered Spain. These Europeans would stand in a field with their little short swords with no armor and no horses. And the Muslims, 80,000 of them, would come galloping, charging in with these scimitar swords and just slice them up. Uh, I mean, it was ridiculous. And then they crossed the Pyrenees Mountains, and the Pope called everybody that could possibly fight to join Charles Martel. Okay, now what was the goal of all of this? This was to get territory and to convert people, right? Well, uh, you bring up a very good point. When the Muslims were conquering Persia, the Persian emperor named Yazgard sent out an ambassador to meet with the Muslim leader and offered to make peace. And uh, I have it in my book. The Muslim, uh, the Persian commander said... uh, we will uh, agree to peace on the condition that everything you've gained on the western side of the Tigris is yours, and everything that remains on the eastern side is ours. And if this does not satisfy your land hunger, then nothing would. The Muslim commander, Saad Idin Wagas, responded that Muslims were not hungry for land. They were fighting to convert the Persians to Islam. So this changed warfare forever. Prior wow. to this, it was just imperial conquest, but this was ideological. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to William Federer. He's written a book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran. You know, Bill, a lot of times we hear people say Islam is a religion of peace. I want you to listen to a couple of sound bites. The first is from Rosie O'Donnell comparing militant Islam with uh, conservative Christians. It's been five years. We have not been attacked. We're also in a, we're in a, on the offense here. We have to be because yeah, we were attacked. Five years ago. We were attacked not by a nation. And as a result of the attack and the killing of nearly 3,000 innocent people, we invaded two countries and killed innocent people but in their country. But you understand that, that the belief funding those attacks, okay, that is widespread. And if you take radical Islam and you want to talk about what's going on there, you have and to... And just you, one second, have to radical Christianity is just as threatening as radical Islam. All right, that's right for you, And she says radical Christianity is just as dangerous as radical Islam. Now, Bill, I want you to listen to uh, some sound that comes from 9-11. 
All right, that's enough. But that, Bill, is actual sound from New York City on September 11, 2001. And Rosie says, radical Christianity, just as dangerous as radical Islam. From, what, from your research of the Koran and from history, how would you respond to Rosie? Uh, I would buy a plane ticket and allow Rosie to go over to Pakistan and see how long she can stand it. <laughs> um, Muhammad um, said that you can beat your wife. He says if your wife disobeys you, you can use incentives like abandoning her in bed, and if she still doesn't respond, you can beat her. Another translation said to smack her. Um, women, uh, Muhammad said women can be married for religion, for beauty, or for, reli- uh, for wealth. He said marry at least one for religion. Uh, said that women get so happy. you can marry a few. Yeah, uh, Muhammad again had fifteen wives, and they began to grumble one time, uh, and so because he was missing his turn in bed with them, uh, with some because he got a fifth of the women taken in battle, and so he gets a verse revealed to him that says, "O consorts of the prophet, uh, do not murmur against the prophet, or you will get double punishment. For this is easy for Allah to do." Clearly, women have a lower standard in that culture, and it wouldn't take long. For, uh, matter of fact, I did a national radio show with uh, Phyllis Schlafly a month ago. A lady called in who is born and raised in Iran as a small Christian sect, and she said, in Iran, Christians are worth a dog. And Phyllis said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, if you kill a, a dog, you have to pay the family a fine, and the fine is the exact same amount as if you killed a Christian. So clearly, Rosie's just simply un, uh, uneducated, but it does bring out a point how in radical... Uh, Islamic countries, they prohibit public Judeo-Christian expression, and the radical left in America wants to prohibit public Judeo-Christian Wow, there's wow. something in common right there. We're, we're talking to Bill Federer. He's written the book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran. Let's listen to President Bush as we go out of this segment. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more with Bill Federer about comparing, contrasting the Bible with the Book of Koran, democracy with Sharia law, contrasting Jesus and Muhammad. Is it true that we're all worshiping the same God? Is Allah the God of the Bible? Is He to be equated with Jehovah, or is He a false God? This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penna Dexter. We'll be back in a moment with Bill Federer, and we'll take some calls. The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. If you have a question about Islam. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
Today's show is an encore presentation. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. In the name of God, Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, all praise is for Allah, our Lord, the Lord of the Worlds, the Compassionate, the Merciful. That's enough of that. That is a Muslim imam praying in the Texas Senate. The Texas Senate. Should we be concerned when the religion of Islam is incorporated into the public square of the United States of America. What does this mean? We had our first congressman sworn in, not placing his hand on the Bible, but on the book of Quran, on the Quran. Our guest today, William Federer, he's written the book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran. We're taking your calls at 800-881-9270. Uh, Bill, welcome back to the program. Bill, let me ask you this. We've got a couple of callers on the line, but let me just ask you right now, um, why you why do you think Americans should be concerned about this congressman taking the oath with his hand on the Koran? What does that say to America? Well, you're swearing to uphold the Constitution, and the Constitution is based on the concept that everybody is equal. Yet the Koran says that infidels are not equal to believing Muslims, that women are not equal to men. Uh, the Constitution says there shall be no cruel and unusual punishment, Article Amendment 8. Well, the Quran says to cut off the hand of a thief, and if a woman's guilty of adultery, to flog her a hundred times. Our 13th Amendment outlaws slavery, yet Muhammad himself owned slaves. Um, our 19th Amendment allows women to vote. Well, in strict Islamic countries, they don't allow women to vote. So it's interesting how you can swear upon a book to uphold the exact opposite. Um, and so we see that uh, there's an undermining happening of our country. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I did an interview with the Washington Post, and the reporter said, well, now, are you trying to push the Bible in our country? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you like the idea that everybody's equal? And she said, well, yeah. I said, well, guess what? That's a Judeo-Christian idea. That's right. I said, in Islam, the infidels are not equal to the, to the believing Muslims. In Hinduism, the untouchable in the lowest caste is not equal to a Brahmin, which That's is the right. highest caste. In atheistic countries, your worth is dependent on your utility. You know, in the former USSR, if you could contribute to the state, you're worth more. If you can't contribute, you're voted off the island. Well, in America, you're equal, not because you're a Muslim male, not because you're a Brahmin, and not because you're contributing to the state. You're equal. Why? Well, Harry S. Truman, in his inaugural address, said, we believe all men are created equal because we're created in the image of God. That's a Judeo-Christian idea. Bill, uh, you mentioned Keith Ellison, who's the congressman from Michigan, who was uh, sworn in on the Koran this year, first Muslim in Congress. And, you know, he played down his religion before, when he was running. And then uh, he had this insistence on being sworn in on the Koran. Is there something about Islam that kind of goes along with us, this idea of concealing what your faith is or what your true intentions are? Well, Muhammad divided the world. Thanks, Ben. A great question. Muhammad divided the world into two houses, the house of Islam and the house of war. In Arabic, it's pronounced Dar al-Islam and Dar al-Harb. So the whole non-Muslim world is called the house of war. And in the Hadith, Muhammad said, it's okay to lie in three instances, hmm. to appease your wives, and of course he had 15 of them, to reconcile <laughs> two Muslims that are at odds, 
and it's okay to lie in time of war because war is deception. So the whole non-Muslim world is called the house of war. Then, therefore, it's okay to lie to them. Well, that's 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 pretty clear. Well, our guest is William Federer. What every American needs to know about the Quran—that's the name of his book. Uh, Bill, we've got some callers on the line. Let's take some comments and some questions. Robert is on the line. Thanks for calling, Robert. Thanks for holding. What's your question or comment? Oh, thank you. I feel honored that I'm actually on your program. I basically, I'll be as brief as possible. Uh, one thing that's been eating away from at me since 9-11 was my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that the majority of the terrorists were from Saudi Arabia. And I myself, being a disabled veteran from Desert Storm uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, kind of wonder, should we also be you know, holding Saudi Arabia just as responsible as we are the others, being uh, a nation where they do have radical... Uh, Islamic individuals there. Uh, All right, Robert. I, pers- I personally had an experience where, while I was there, a high-ranking enlisted person told me from their Saudi Arabian military that if, if basically Israel dropped one bomb in Saudi Arabia, that they would turn on us and shoot us. All right. Thank you so much, Robert. You know, Bill, I remember hearing stories that we had to hide the crosses when our soldiers were in Saudi Arabia. We had to hide the Bibles for our soldiers in Saudi Arabia. Uh, what's your response to this question, Bill? Well, um, uh, the long and the short, the, the short is that um, in 1740, there was an imam in Arabia named Wahhab, and he said that Islam has backslidden from the command to bring the world in submission to Allah, and so he started the Wahhabi version of Islam, which is more violent. Well, the Wahhab made a covenant with the Saud family, and together they conquered all of Arabia. That's why it's called Saudi Arabia. And in 1924 is when they conquered Mecca, and this put them in charge of the Hajj. One of the five pillars of Islam is that every Muslim should take a pilgrimage to Mecca. Well, if you control the Hajj, this pilgrimage, it's like a Bible conference. You get to decide who the teachers aren't are. Aren't these going Saudis? To be. Aren't they funding these Wahhabi schools and madrasas? Madrasas, yeah. Right, and so. Uh, so not only since 1924 are Muslims from around the world getting infected with Wahhabism, but in 1938 oil was discovered in Saudi Arabia, and the West began to pump billions of dollars, which they used to export Islam. So Saudi Arabia is the number one publisher of Saudi textbooks. Saudi Arabia finances nine out of the ten mosques in America. Matter of fact, last year, uh, May of 2006, the Washington Post had a reporter get textbooks out of the Saudi schools in America and they translated them into English. And, for example, here is an eighth-grade textbook. Again, this is used in America, in the mosques. It says the apes are the Jews, the people of the Sabbath, Uh, while the swine are the Christians, the infidels of the communion of Jesus. Another fifth-grade textbook says it is forbidden for a Muslim to be a loyal friend of someone who does not believe in Allah. Here's an 11th-grade textbook. It says, do not yield to Christian and Jews on a narrow road out of honor and respect says, do not yield to them. In other words, we think we're being polite by letting them go first. They think we're acknowledging their superiority. But, um, I mean, 12th grade textbook says, Jihad is the path of Allah. This religion rose through Jihad, and through Jihad its banner was raised We're high. funding this every time we buy gas for our cars, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, this may be one of the first wars that uh, we have been funding both sides in the war. All right, my guest is Bill Federer. He's written the book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran. Uh, Bill, we've got another caller. Let's go to Jim in Wills Point. Jim, do you have a question or a comment for Mr. Federer? I was, I was uh, curious if you ever heard of David Barton, wall builders. Well, I listened to him speak one day. He explained 
first time I'd ever heard it in my whole life. It, why Thomas Jefferson even had a copy of the Koran. Our first president, our early presidents, were all uh, 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 on, in Tripoli. Our ships were being uh, attacked by the Muslims, and they were taking our people captive and uh, either either killing them or charging ransom for our, our sailor merchant sailors. We didn't have a uh, navy at the time, but for merchant sailors, and they were holding them ransom. So uh, we couldn't do anything but pay the ransom for the first uh, several presidents, and Thomas Jefferson finally got enough of it. And, right. and uh, Bill, let's uh, let's talk about that for a moment because this congressman who's sworn in uh, bragged about Jefferson, used his Bible, he used his Koran, and made much of that. You've actually have a whole section on this in your book. Give us the real story about Jefferson, the Koran, and Islam. Uh, yeah, uh, David Barton's a good friend, and he's excellent on all this. Um, what I did is went back and studied how the Muslims not only did they. Uh, if I, if I can give a little chrono- chronology, um, yes. they conquered all of the uh, North Africa, all of the Holy Land, all of Persia, all of Spain. They were stopped at the Battle of Tours in southern France. Matter of fact, the Pope put out a call that anybody that could fight should join Charles Martel, and he got 30,000 men against the Muslims, 80,000. There was no other army in Europe. You could go all the way to Poland. There was no other army. Anyway, Martel had his men sneak up the hill at nighttime, got him in a complete square, the next day, the Muslims charge up the hill, and they couldn't get at a full gallop because of the trees, and when they broke through the Christian lines, they realized they were in a complete square, so they got stuck. Meanwhile, Martel had some of his men go into the Muslim camp and free the captives, and some of the Muslim warriors saw their booty being let go. They left the battlefield, and the commander was uh, surrounded and killed, and they couldn't decide who was going to be the next commander, so they, um, they went back and, uh, into Spain. And so the Western Europeans now got familiar with this fighting on horseback with armor, and it began the whole Knights of Chivalry. And once the Europeans came up to par, the Muslims no longer had the advantage, and that began the Reconquista, where they were driving the Muslims out. But the Muslims said, we're still going to conquer Europe, but it may have to wait. And that's where moderate Islam began. So a a moderate Muslim says that Islam will conquer the world in the distant future. A violent Muslim says Islam will conquer the world now. Uh, but then the Muslims continued uh, to conquer toward China. They ran into the Mongolian nomads. And these Mongols uh, would ride into town, kill the men, take the women, and plunder. And one of the Mongolian tribes, the Turkish Mongols, converted and became Ghazi warriors for Islam. And they conquered back west and began to invade Asia Minor. And uh, Asia Minor is where all seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation were. Asia Minor is where Paul spoke. And, and John I understand spoke. the Muslims wiped out all those churches mentioned in Revelation. Right, right. And they would take the boys from the Christian cities they conquered and force them to become Muslims, put them into the Muslim army, and put them on the front lines when they would attack the next Christian city. Well, this Byzantine Christian Empire cried out to the Latin West for help. They sent help. It was called the Crusades. As long as the Crusades went on, the Muslims were, no, were not trying to get into Europe. Once the Crusades stopped, they invaded into Europe. And finally, in the year 1453, they conquered Constantinople. Mm. Hey, Bill, we've got to stop there. The we're on a hard break. We'll finish this story when we come back. We'll talk more about Jefferson and his Koran, which was used to swear in a congressman this past year. We'll also ask the question, is the God of the Koran, Allah, the God of the Bible, Jehovah, are they equal? Are they opposites? Is Islam a religion of peace? Also, we'll have an update on why the Baptist General Convention of Texas is laying off so many employees. And the Senate attack on Rush. We'll talk about that toward the end of the show. And 
Is President Bush being mean to those children on health care? We'll be right back. Today's show is an encore presentation. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, that's about all we can handle of that. Stand it. <laughs> that's a Muslim imam singing a song to open a Senate session in Texas, of all places. And the question we might want to ask is if we had Muslim Sharia law, Islamic Sharia law in the state of Texas, would Christians even have the ability to speak freely, to evangelize? And um, we're going to keep talking about this today, but we are going to have an update later in the program about the Baptist General Convention laying off all these employees. Is this theological or is this just about money? The answer might surprise you. And why is the Senate attacking Rush Limbaugh? We're going to talk about that towards the end of the program, but uh, Pennant. Historian Bill Federer is our guest. His book is What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran, and we are taking your calls. Let's go to Victor in Plano. Victor, thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a Christian who reverted to Islam, and I think what your what your the writer, Mr. Federer, I guess his name is Bill. I'll, I'll call Bill Federer. I, I don't know his last name, but anyway, uh, with all due respect, he is taking what is in the Quran and taking it out of context. No, I'm not. Uh, give it, us it one example. Just give us one example of that, Victor. We just have time for one example, and then we'll let Bill respond. Well, when when he says that uh, we are to kill the infidels or something of that nature, the uh, the Quran does not say kill the infidel. It says nothing like that. Um, and the Bible. Well, what, looking what at Surah hadith, nine. What does the hadith well, say? Well, let me give you an example. Well, no, let me ask you one question. What does the hadith say to do to someone who well, leaves you're Islam? About, you're talking about the hadith. The hadith what does the hadith say Quran, to do to someone who said to leave Islam? We can't both talk at the same time. So okay. Well, answer my question. What does the hadith say but, to do to answer, someone who leaves Islam? Okay. The, okay. The what answer? Is what, the history of what does the hadith Islam? say to someone who leaves to Islam? Just Quran. answer the question, Victor. What does okay. the hadith say to do to someone who leaves Islam? Okay, sir. What does the Hadith say to someone who leaves Islam? All right, not going to have an honest argument. All right, we've got to we've got to get this uh, on the right track, Victor. Uh, you can make your point, but do ask answer that question. What does the Hadith say? Let me let me answer the okay, question. Okay, all right. Asking me about the Hadith is asking me about the history of Islam. We're not talking about history. We're talking about the religion itself. That would be like asking me about the history of Christianity and the Christian slave master being uh, a Christian. That's not a fair question. But that's Victor, answer Victor, the Victor, question though. What does it say good, though? That's not a good representation of what does the Hadith say to do to someone who leaves Islam? Yeah, but you, okay, the, the Hadith is the Hadith. We're talking. Ask me about the Quran, and I can tell you what the Quran says about someone who leaves uh, Islam. The Quran says if a person wants to be a Christian, let him be a Christian. Why aren't you answering my question? There, there is no compulsion. I'm telling you what the Quran says. The Quran says there is no compulsion. That's a Meccan verse. Religion. You know the difference between Meccan verse and Medina verse? The Medina verses supersede the Meccan verses. In other words, Muhammad first came into Mecca and presented his faith 
and he said there was no compulsion in religion. He even had them bowing toward Jerusalem for 17 months. When he was rejected, he fled to Medina. He changed the direction of bowing from Jerusalem to Mecca, and that's when he said, kill the kafir. That's when he chopped off the heads of 700 Jews in Medina. That's when he went on killing uh, 26 battles and 86 raids. And in case you want to know, the Hadith al-Bukhari, which is an authority in Islam, volume 9, book 84, number 57, says, Muhammad said, whoever changes his Islamic religion, kill him. All right, Victor, do you have a response to that? Yes, I do. Uh, what the what Mr. Bill is saying is not true. What? It, oh, wait, wait. It is true. <laughs> it is true. No, 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 <laughs> no it is true. true. Okay. You, you okay. want to know? Here's an interesting source for you. Go to the University of Southern California website, usc.edu. It has three versions of the Quran searchable online and four hadiths searchable online, and it has in there where it says that if your wife does not obey you, that you can beat her. Uh, it talks about how Muhammad had uh, 15 wives. It talks about to cut off the hand of a thief. If you can equate that with Christianity, um, I'm sorry, you, there, there's no comparison. Okay, Victor, we got to go to our next caller, Victor. And uh, thank you so much, Bill, for re- reacting, responding. Uh, let's go to Marianne from Fort Worth. Marianne, do you have a call or a question for Mr. Federer? Well, I was wondering what the Founding Fathers thought when they wrote about pursuit of our religion, uh, religious expression of our choice. Were they aware of Islam at that time and these other religions that were non-Christian? Good question. And I just finished a new book. It's entitled The Original Thirteen. And what I did is I read through every charter of every colony. I read through every constitution for the original 13 states and every amendment to those constitutions up to the present. And religion was something that was under state's jurisdiction. And every state in 1776 required you to be a Protestant to hold public office, except four states allowed Catholics to hold office. And then in the early 1800s, it broadened to the states just allowing Christians to hold office, which meant Protestants and Catholics. In 1826, Maryland was the first state to allow Jews to hold public office. And then after the Civil War, many states changed their constitutions to say all you had to do was believe in God to hold public office. And then the federal courts took religion out of states' jurisdiction in 1947 and began to say that atheism was a religion. And now, to not prefer one over the other, they are kicking God out. And then they're taking the next step and introducing Islam. And the Quran does say that Jews and Christians are infidels. Uh, and the Quran does say in Surah 9123, it says, Make war on the infidels who dwell around you. Surah 47.4 says, When you meet the infidel on the battlefield, strike off their head. Uh, Surah 48.29 says, Muhammad is Allah's apostle. Those who follow him are ruthless to infidels. Um, so I and, and again, you can buy my book, or you can go to the usc.edu, University of Southern California.edu. You can look up these verses yourself. And it's interesting; they have a warning on the page that says, "If you are a Muslim, we do not encourage you to study this because if you do, you may get into error by thinking you know more than the scholars." My so goodness! Most Muslims are not even encouraged to read their own faith. 
Uh, the book is What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran. It's by Bill Federer. He is our guest. And, you know, our caller, Bill, mentioned the founders. And let's just go back to uh, Thomas Jefferson, because Keith Ellison, this Michigan congressman, tried to use the fact that he placed his hand on Jefferson's Quran to make it sound like Jefferson was friendly with Muslims or something. But he had his own battles with Muslims. That's why he needed to understand the religion just like we do. Correct. They do. And, and in a nutshell, um, in 1453, the Muslims conquered Constantinople, the biggest city in Europe. It was all Christian. And when Constantinople fell, it cut off the land trade routes to get from Western Europe over to India and China. And so the Western Europeans were trying to find another way to India and China. Less than 40 years later, a guy named Columbus said, I know a mm-hmm. shortcut, sail west. So the very fact that Columbus set sail was because there was a jihad in 1453 that conquered this thousand-year-old Christian city. Anyway, the Muslims then controlled all of the Mediterranean. They captured Sicily. They captured uh, southern France. They captured um, uh, the northern Mediterranean. And they would capture the ships of the European powers and enslave their uh, people they captured. They were like pirates, weren't they? They were pirates, yeah. They enslaved them in the dungeons of Algiers, Tunis, and Tripoli. And there was actually an entire Catholic order whose sole purpose was to negotiate ransoms. And so um, they were called the Trinitarians. And uh, finally, these European powers said, look, we we will just pay an annual tribute to these Muslim Barbary pirates so they will leave our ships alone. Well, when America broke away from Britain, uh, we had to pay our own tribute. Twenty percent of our national budget went to buying off these Muslims. And when Thomas Jefferson was ambassador in France, he asked the ambassador from Tripoli why they boarded our ships with daggers clenched in their teeth and uh, killed these defenseless people. And this is Thomas Jefferson's exact words. He says, the ambassador from Tripoli answered us that it was founded on the laws of the prophet and written in their Quran that all nations who should not acknowledge Islam's authority were sinners, that it was their right and duty to make war on them wherever they could find them and to take them slaves and prisoners. And so Thomas Jefferson when he became the third president, finally got upset and sent in our Marines, uh, captured Tripoli, and uh, forced them to free our men. And that's where we get the Marine song from the halls of Montezuma to the shore. Hey, Bill. Amazing. We've got one other caller. Let's try to get him in. Here's Tom from Fort Worth. Tom, what is your question? Yeah, hey, Mr. Federer. Yes. I just wanted to know if you knew that the Roman Catholic Catechism does say that they worship the same God as the Muslim. It's paragraph 841. It says the church's relationship with Muslims and it ends, and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge in the last day. All right, Bill, let's respond to that. Is the God of the Bible the same as the God of Islam, the God of the Quran? Uh, unfortunately, no, uh, because Jesus never forced anybody to believe in him. Muhammad did. Muhammad said in the Hadith, if anyone changes his Islamic religion, kill him. Uh, in, in Muslim faith, you do not call God Father, because there's a verse in the Quran that says, Allah took no wife and has no son. So Jesus said to pray, Our Father. In Islamic faith, you do not call yourself children of God, again, because Allah has no children. In Christianity, we say we're all children of God. Uh, In the Islamic faith, you are not made in the image of God. God created you, but you are not in his image. Why? Because there's a verse in the Quran that says Allah has no image. Yet in uh, the Christian faith, we believe we are made in the image of God. In Islamic faith, you don't say extemporaneous prayers from your heart. You recite prayers, and you do it five times a day. Within Christian circles, you can say prayers from your heart. It's a different faith. It's mostly the difference between uh, voluntarily 
from the inside out is what Christianity is, and forcibly from the outside All right. is what is Quran. Bill Federer has written the book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran. Bill, we're going to wrap up when, you, when we come back. And uh, we're also going to get an update on the Baptist Journal Convention of Texas. Are they unraveling and why? This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pentadexter. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. Today's show is an encore presentation. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. You say your God and our God are the same, okay? Answer this question for me. First, is your God a triune God? What's the answer? No. Is your God ever called God is love? No. Is he ever called Heavenly Father? No. Did he ever send his son to save humanity? No. So don't sit down. I said, sit down. Don't say your God and our God is the same. <laughs> That's Ani Sharosh. We got to talk to him last year in Washington, D.C., former Muslim and uh, a Christian, and saying, no, the God of the Bible is different than the God of the Koran. Our guest is Bill Federer. He's written the book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran. Bill, welcome back. We're going to close out this segment just now, but I want to ask you a final question, Bill, and that is this. Is democracy compatible with the Islamic notion of Sharia law? Uh, Muslims look at democracy as an easy way to take over a country. That's what they did in Lebanon in 1943. Lebanon went from an 80% Christian country to a 30% Christian country through democracy because the Muslims could have four kids, four wives, and they could have multiple children. You know, and it brings up one last point. I wanted to mention Armenia. Between 1915 and 1922, the Muslims killed a million and a half Armenian Christians. And in 1919, they sent representatives to the Paris Peace Conference begging Woodrow Wilson to have America adopt Armenia as a protectorate like Puerto Rico. But our Republican-controlled Congress did not want to get involved in a civil war in some Muslim country on the other side of the world. We said no. And they went in there and killed men, women, and children. There was a Christian church in Smyrna from the Apostle John's time up until 1922. They went in there, drugged the Byzantine bishop out of his church, dismembered him in the streets. They killed men, women, and children. Blood ran down, made the port waters red. There were actually American ships in the harbor. They could hear the screams, but they had no orders to intervene. This is not ancient history. This is just 1922. And so we can see that that you can look at the Quran, yes, but then you can also look at how Muslims have interpreted the Quran over 1,400 years and even though there are some that do interpret it moderately, and I applaud that and I encourage that, unfortunately, there have been those that have interpreted it literally, and they have followed Muhammad's example of 
fighting in these battles, and we have seen uh, this happen uh, even up to the present, and it's to our benefit to know this history. Bill, this is a fascinating book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Koran. Our guest, William Federer. Bill, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Jerry, and thank you, Penna. We'll have you back. Thanks, Bill. Penna, this is a a fascinating piece of research that he's done. He's a walking encyclopedia, obviously, on this topic. Um, And, you know, it's interesting. The Baptist Journal Convention of Texas is laying off 29 workers. In just a moment, I'm going to connect that to Islam, Hmm. to this story. It'll be very interesting. But we've got other topics in the news, and uh, President Bush has vetoed uh, a piece of legislation. A lot of people think he's being a meanie and doesn't want to help the little children. Uh, give us the straight scoop on that. Well, it's the S-CHIP uh, Children's Health Care Bill, and President Bush is willing to expand this by uh, five or 20%, $5 billion, but Congress wanted many times that. And uh, here is Senator Ted Kennedy. He said Congress must override the president's veto. Children ought to come first in the United States of America. This is a value issue. It's a family issue, and it's something that demands action. Of course, S-CHIP was designed to cover children from families who don't qualify for Medicaid but can't afford health insurance. Uh, but uh, President Bush said that the uh, Congress just went way too far. Speaking today in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, he said children's health insurance, this plan that he vetoed, would have provided health care for children whose parents earn up to $83,000 a year. The policies of the government ought to be to help poor children and to focus on poor children. And the policies of the government ought to be to help people find private insurance, not federal coverage. S-CHIP, this expansion that the Democrats in Congress really wanted, was just another major step toward toward universal health care. So it was an increase of the current program, not a maintenance of of the the program we have now. All right, another story that's been in the news, we'll give you a little bit of an update, that is that um, a lot of these Democratic senators have attacked Rush Limbaugh, Mm -hmm. including Barack Obama, including Hillary Clinton. And there's another senator, John Kyle, giving the straight scoop on this. Did Rush Limbaugh call all soldiers who opposed the war in Iraq phony soldiers? uh, Or was he referring to one actual phony soldier that was exposed by ABC News and Brian Ross in an expose. Here's Senator John Kyle. It's been a mischaracterization of what he said from the very beginning, of course, intentionally so. He didn't say that all the troops that disagree with the war or the president were phony troops. He was referring to a specific uh, soldier who it turns out was a phony soldier and who, who had been discussed in his program. All right, so that's Senator John Kyle saying, look, this was actually about phony soldiers, people who are pretending to be Mm -hmm. soldiers, but they're not. Well, I want to relate uh, one big story here locally to uh, this issue of Islam, and that is the Baptist General Convention of Texas is laying off 29 workers, uh, uh, a big story in the Dallas Morning News yesterday. You say, what does this have to do with Islam? Well, let me just tell you, this is a convention. It is a, a moderate to liberal convention of Baptists. Now, I happen to be a Baptist, but I'm not in this convention. Uh, We used to be. uh, I used to be. But um, this convention has been going to the left. They do not stand for the Bible. They do not stand for the sanctity of human life. They have not stood for biblical manhood and womanhood. And they have not even stood for the character and identity of God. We've covered two or three times on this program a conference they sponsored 
uh, about a year or so ago, February back a year ago, where they had a speaker, Charles Kimball, from Wake Forest come down, a special conference on Islam, and the Baptist General Convention of Texas speaker said this, that Allah is the same, quote, the same God that Jews and Christians are talking about, end quote. You're kidding. Now, look, if this denomination cannot properly identify the God of the Bible, they have, they're, they're so far off to the left, they're meeting the oncoming traffic. And um, the God of the Bible is a God of love. The God of Islam is not. The God of the Bible is a father. The God of Islam is not. The God of the Bible has a son. The God of Islam does not. That is the difference. Just some of the, the God of the Bible is a triune God, as Anisha Rosh said. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God of the Quran, is not. In fact, he's not a God at all. He's a false God. Allah is a false God. Muhammad is a false prophet. You know, it's disappointing when uh, politicians don't get this and they call Islam a religion of peace or say that we're all worshiping the same God. It's very disappointed when a group with the name of Baptist doesn't even get this. And that is why the churches are not supporting this denomination. That's why a new denomination has been formed, the Southern Baptist of Texas denomination. Here's a group of Baptists who believe the Bible, who believe in the God of the Bible, and they take Scripture seriously on biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, the sanctity of innocent human life, we go with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. I know there's some good people still over in the BGCT, but I think they're giving their money down a rat hole because they have no idea about how to do theological education or denomination. Allah is not Jehovah, and uh, Baptist leaders certainly ought to know that. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter tomorrow. Daryl Bach on the Da Vinci Code. Who is Jesus? You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.